You are listening to a weekend message from New Life Church in Fort Smith. We would love to connect with you, so find us on Instagram or Facebook at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. The weather has been on point. It's fishing weather now. I'm about to go and start my yearly quest uh, on the lake to catch a fish. And this is the year I can feel it. I'm, I caught fish last year, actually, out of Dean's place. We, he's the only person, the only person in the whole church that helped me catch a fish was Dean Payton. So uh, I pray for him more than I pray for anybody else this last year. Amen. But it's the first day of spring. The birds are singing. The flowers are blooming. And really, I wanted to have like a, a special message today that just encouraged you that went along with the season and the, the, the turn in the weather. So today we're going to be talking about death. All right. Welcome to New Life Church. Ecclesiastes 7.4. A wise person thinks a lot about death while a fool thinks only about having a good time. Y'all thought I was kidding. No, I'm for real. <laughs> We're about to go into it. Um, shocking statistic for you. One out of every one person will die. And <laughs> it don't seem to matter where you live, what you do for a living, how much kale you manage to choke down in this lifetime, the death rate is still 100%. And I have to say, so far, I'm proud of myself. I've given it a good go for 37 years trying not to die, and I have been successful. Uh, congratulations to all of you, too. But I will say, if Jesus doesn't return in my lifetime, at some point, all of us will face death. And before you reach for your anxiety medicine, listen, let me tell you, if you get anxious talking about death, I'll tell you this, I'm right there with you. It's not one of my favorite topics to talk about. I don't spend my time just sitting around talking about death and all these things. But I'll tell you this, God wants us to be wise concerning death. Because death is a part of life, and there's no part of life that the gospel doesn't touch. Okay? And he wants us to he wants to equip us to live this life, the whole thing, where even we encounter death, he wants us to live it with hope and faith. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The Bible says that there is wisdom in living with the end in mind. And so I'll tell you this. I know that there are parts of this message that are heavy. There really are. Um, but my desire, my hope for you is that ultimately it wouldn't be the heaviness that you leave here with today, but it would be the hope. Because Jesus said, my burden is light, right? It's not heavy. And while this is a difficult topic sometimes. I, I know that there are people here from all over the spectrum. Like some people, this is more, um, more it's newer to. Some people, it's fresh. You're, having, you're dealing with grief or you're mourning or whatever. As a pastor, I want you to see death from God's point of view because it's only then that you're going to find peace. It's only there where you find comfort. It is there when you find hope. The Bible says that we don't see death the way the world sees death. It's kind of like when you watch a movie that you've seen before, 
okay? And so you already know everything that's going to happen in the movie. One of my favorite things to do is I like to play the movies that I used to like for my kids. Whether they like them or not, I don't really care. But I say, you're going to sit there and you're going to watch this movie because I watched this movie and I love this movie. and We're going to have a great time, okay? And so I already know everything that's going to happen when they're watching this movie. and they don't. So all the little twists and turns, all the drama, I know who the killer is and they don't like it. And, and, and so one of my favorite things to do when I'm watching a movie that I've already seen before, before with people that have never seen it before, for, is I don't like to watch the movie as much as I like to watch how they watch the movie, right? And I know already, spoiler alert, but uh, Darth Vader is Luke's daddy, right? Like, I know that. And then when that reveal hits and I don't look at the screen, I look at them and they're like, oh, and I'm like, I know, right? It's crazy. <laughs> Can you believe it? You know, that is how I feel when Christians are thinking about death is that we don't see it the way everyone else sees it because we already know the end. And we have some perspective that an unbeliever doesn't have. There are several ways that when you are faced with death in your life, whether it's a friend or a family or someone that you love or close to, you can look at it. And I want to encourage you uh, in how we view it. I could fixate, one, on the downside of death. This is when I look at it just from my earthly experience, like a, like a scientist, and I think, when I die, I will never eat Panda Express again, dear God. And I, I just pray, God, keep me alive till they open it right over here. That's what my prayers are right now. I need that, Lord, please. No more football games, no more fishing, riding in boats, no more times with kids or grandkids. You can look at the downside, and I'll tell you, it's not wrong when you look at these things to feel saddened. Because there are things that we love. We love the people in our lives. So I'm not saying when you, when you lose someone, you shouldn't be sad. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying you can fixate on just those things when you're looking at death. You can, you can even think financially, am I going to leave my family in a bind? Am I gonna do, what's it going to be like, all these things? I can fixate on the downside. I can fixate on the inside. When I look at death, just from my inward emotions. And this is how I feel about it. A lot of people get anxious. They have fear. They have depression around these feelings when you fixate on the inside. You know, death is like the sum of all fears. It's the root of all fears. Think of what you're afraid of. Are you afraid of spiders? Well, you're afraid of spiders because you're probably afraid a spider's going to bite you and you're going to die. Everything is about dying, okay? Am I afraid of snakes? Yes, I'm afraid of snakes. If I see a snake, I run away. I don't even pretend to be a man around a snake. I just run, okay? Why? Because I'm afraid the snake's going to bite me and I'm going to die. Am I afraid of heights? Yes. Even if there's like a fence. I went to the top of the Empire State Building and there's a fence around the Empire State Building at the top and you can't climb over it like it's a huge fence. I'm terrified to even get close to the edge because I think, what if the wind picks me up and blows me over the top and it falls? Now, that's going to have to be some wind. But I still think in my mind, like, I, this could happen and I could die. 
You know, I'm afraid of uh, enclosed spaces, claustrophobic. When you get me in a really tight space, sometimes uh, underneath this stage, we have paint cans, all right? If you ever wondered, we have a ton of paint that is stored under this stage because we didn't have anywhere else to put it. And to get through there, you have to crawl through a space that's about this big. And anytime I have to go get paint, I think, oh God, if I get stuck under here, no one will ever know and I'll die under here. I don't want to die under here, you know? You are afraid afraid of the things that you are afraid of because ultimately you think this could happen to me and I will die. There are ways to look at death that cause fear, anxiety, worry, depression. But you can write this down. But because of Jesus, I don't have to see it that way. This is the last week in our series, Who is Jesus? And when we're thinking about how we want to close this out, I don't think we can talk about who Jesus is and and all of who he is without talking about death. Because right in the middle of him dealing with death and loss, and this story we're going to go into here in just a second, right in the middle of this, Jesus reveals something about himself that is so powerful and so strong that it is the one thing that we could say Jesus changed death forever with this statement, okay? So I can look at the downside, I can fixate on the inside, how I feel, but for a believer, I want you to know this. I can know and put my faith in God's side. Go with me to John chapter 11. This is a story, a major event in the life and the ministry of Jesus where he raises Lazarus from the dead. Most of you, if you grew up in church, you have heard this story. Lazarus, his friend, is sick. He lives in a town called Bethany, which is a few miles outside of Jerusalem. And this is like a major turning point in the ministry of Jesus. He goes to the town, and that town is on the route that people are going to be coming into Jerusalem. So there's lots of pilgrims that are traveling through this town. And once Jesus performs the miracle and he raises Lazarus from the dead, because so many people are traveling and heading to Jerusalem, word of what happens just explodes and goes all over the place. This is kind of uh, the spark that lit the fuse that enraged Uh, the Jewish leaders to want to kill him because his influence began to grow huge right after this event. And so we're in uh, Bethany and Jesus' friend Lazarus sick, so he makes his way over there, but he gets there too late and Lazarus has already died. And so that's where we're picking up here in John chapter 11, verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. 
So Martha is thinking, yeah, I believe that I'll see him again in the end. Uh, at the last day, he'll be resurrected, and then I'll see him. And Martha's waiting for that day to come. That's her hope she's looking forward to. And Jesus said to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha was looking to the resurrection. She was looking to a specific time in the future. She was looking to a specific thing that was going to happen. And Jesus said, you're not looking for an event. You're not waiting for a time in the future. I, right now, am the resurrection and the life. In fact, this is how the book of John starts. If you look in John chapter 1, at the very beginning, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Talking about Jesus, He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. Verse 4, In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Like Jesus is life. And anything that is living has gotten its life from Jesus. He is the source of life. And for Lazarus, you know the story that Jesus would say, Lazarus come forth and that life that is Jesus entered Lazarus's body and he walked out of the tomb. This is how Jesus dealt with death. This is how he gives us hope in grief because he says this, and you can write this down. In Christ, death is not final. It's not the end. And God didn't tell us everything that there is to know about death, probably because we can't comprehend everything that there is to know about death. But I'll tell you what he did. He told us for sure everything we needed to know about death. There's a, a downside. There's the inside. But God has a side to this. And you need to settle in your mind and your spirit what it is that you believe. That question, do you believe, is one that you have to answer. And when you answer it, you need to talk to your kids about it. You need to talk to your grandkids about it. There's some things in life that you have to have an exact answer on. And what you believe about Jesus being life and the resurrection is one of those things. All of y'all got a piece of paper like this when you came in. And so if you don't have it out, pull it out. Grab a pen from somewhere around you. And I don't have my pen right now. I left my pen somewhere. I always have my pen. I don't need my pen. Oh, thanks, Nikki. I got Nikki's pen. Nikki can't participate. Thanks. All right. Here's what I want you to do. Free hand now. No cheating. No edges. None like this. I want you to draw a line from the bottom to the top of your paper. Everybody draw a line all the way from the bottom to the top. I didn't do good in art class. I promise you. So my line is not very good. All right, now look around. Look, this is the only time in church I want you to judge, all right? This is a little bit of competition. Look around and look at somebody else's line. 
And some of y'all got pretty good lines. Actually, after the last service, I heard a lady in the hallway. She was walking down and she was looking. She goes, my line is actually really good. I'm really proud of my line. I was happy that if nothing else, that could bring encouragement to her today. All right, listen to me. Here it is. When it comes to life, there are a lot of lines that you have to draw yourself that don't even really matter that much. Uh, some of the things that you can figure out yourself are the clothes that you wear. You can pretty much draw a line however you want. Just cover up, all right? Some people dress better than others. Whatever. Just draw a line. It doesn't matter. Fixing your hair. If you want to shave your head, if you want to put in a ponytail, if you want to dye it blue, whatever. Just draw the line yourself. It doesn't matter that much. Eating out. You can go to Taco Bell right after service if you want to. It's up to you. Draw the line. It doesn't really matter. What kind of music are you going to put on when you get in the car? Draw the line. It doesn't really matter. There's a lot of things in life where you can draw the line yourself. Listen to me. For salvation, there is only one line that works, and it has to be perfect. And his name is Jesus Christ. It's the only way. It's the only line. For death, you need a perfectly straight line here. Now, some of your lines may look straight, but if I put them under a microscope, if I put them and hooked it up and scanned it to a computer, it would find little tiny places all through it that aren't perfectly straight because we're just not capable of drawing a perfectly straight line. But in death, you need a perfectly straight line. Sometimes when you need a perfectly straight line, you know what you need? In school, I'd get out the ruler, right? And I'd go right down the edge of the ruler and I'd have a perfectly straight line. For your life, this is your ruler. This is the only thing that's going to give you a perfectly straight line. And when you talk about death and what happens after you die, if you don't use this ruler, you get all kinds of weird things that come out of that. There's something called annihilation, uh, which is... Like that old Kansas song, Dust in the Wind. You know what I'm talking about? Dust in the Wind. Don't listen. That's a sad song. But people listen to it. All right. What that means is at the end of your life, that's all there is to it. You just, you're over. It's over. You have one life to live. This is, this is YOLO theology, right? You only live once, right? And at the end of your life, you die, and that's it. And if that's the case, like, you don't even need to be here today, man. This spring break. Go steal a boat. It doesn't matter, right? Nothing matters. If this, is the, if this is the only thing there is in the whole universe, then nothing matters. There's um, purgatory, right? Where if I wasn't half bad in this life, I can go to purgatory and take some remedial courses and graduate myself up to heaven at some point. Reincarnation, where people come back as uh, different animals or different people or different things. Now, some people come back as bugs and crickets and all sorts of things. Imagine coming back to life to be eaten by a catfish. I mean, that just ain't right, you know? These are the things that happen when you don't have a straight line, when you don't have a rule. All sorts of things happen. Let me give you a straight line. Jesus Christ alone can save. That's your straight line. He alone is the resurrection and the life. Jesus alone. So, because all of us are going to, at some point, face death, and I want you to be ready for it when it comes, 
I want to tell you a few things that uh, we came up with this week as we're working on the message. Like one second after you die, what happens? Like what's going to happen? And I'll give you a few things from Scripture that we believe happens right after you die. The first is this. Number one, there is a separation. Second Corinthians 5 says this. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Let me be really clear here. One day, you and I will breathe our last. Our heart will stop beating, but that's not the end. There will be a separation of your spirit from your body, like a, like a piece of Velcro, <laughs> separated. Your body will decay, but your spirit is eternal. It's going to keep on living. It separates. And at your funeral, you have everybody there that you love and all the people you want there and probably a few people you don't want there, and that's all right, and they'll be there. You will be there, but you'll be the only person there that's not actually there. Your body will be there, but your spirit won't be. God looks at death differently than we look at death. We think of death like this. Right now, I'm living and I'm breathing. And someday I'll take my last breath and then I'll die. And God looks at it like this. You're dying right now. And one day you'll take your last breath and then you'll start living. I see God thinks of death differently than we think of death. I want to be real honest with you here. And this is... This is the part where it gets heavy, and that's okay, because some things are heavy. Um, for those that die outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, there will be a separation from God forever. The stakes around here, what drives us, the reason that I get up in the morning and come to work is not to have a big church not so I can build a resume, not so I can post pictures on social media and everybody gives me likes and hearts. The reason that I get up in the morning and I come to work is because I believe that eternity matters and it's real. We have four weekends from now until Easter services. And there'll be four weekends from now. And every year we give you cards to go and invite people. And they, you come in, they'll be in your seat, cards. Go invite people, go do it, it's great, bring them to Easter. And you might think the reason that we do that is because church feels better when there's a lot of people in the room, which it does, I mean, it's true. Or we want to take a lot of pictures of Easter service and post it on the website so people in the community think, oh, our church is really successful and it's growing and it's booming. The reason that we give you cards, the reason that we ask you, pray and ask God who you can bring to Easter with you. The reason that we do this is because there is a heaven and there is a hell and people will spend eternity in one or the other. There's no in between. It's heaven or it's hell. 
You know, Jesus taught on hell more than anybody else. Hell is taught on strongly in the New Testament about 20 times. Jesus himself taught on it 12 times. He taught on hell more than anybody else or more than anyone else combined. Jesus, he preached on it more than anybody. And with tears in his eyes and conviction in his heart, he said that hell is real. It was created for Satan and his fallen angels, but people will spend eternity there. I know that that's heavy, but I have a responsibility to tell you that as your pastor, as a Christian, as a believer. You also need to know Jesus welcomes people openly to follow him. He is not stingy with the life that he gives. It is free. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to experience life and spend eternity with him. And so that is why we do what we do. There's a separation. The second after you die, where will you spend eternity? Number two, second after you die, the Bible says or shows us in Luke that you have an angelic escort Luke 16, verse 19 through 22, it says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. You need to know this. A lot of people get really into angels, right? Really hung up on, do we have angels with us all the time? Can I talk to my angel? Listen, angels are not the main character in the story. Jesus is, okay? You have the Holy Spirit. You have Jesus. Like, that's all you need. But he does send angels to help us, the Bible says. And there are times when he sends us that, uh, there are times that the Bible says when we pass away, the angels will carry us from here to be with him. You need to know that every person that has died in Christ, every person that's a follower of Jesus, the moment they pass away, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The angels come and they carry them to Jesus. Some of you have had loved ones that pass away and you've wondered about them, like what happened? What happens in that moment? Um, I've been I would say blessed to be with people, several people as they pass away in that moment. And you would hope that all of those moments would be sweet and gentle and nice. Like that's your hope. Uh, I can tell you just knowing that that's not always the case. Sometimes there's trauma. Sometimes it's heart breaking, gut-wrenching things, which is one of the reasons that I am incredibly grateful for anybody that works in hospice care, doctors and nurses and everyone that works in that, that help in those final moments. But I can tell you this, uh, anyone who dies in Christ, even if they're all by themselves in a room, they never die alone because the second they take their last breath, they are in the company of heaven. Amen. And I've heard this story a long time, and it just has always stuck with me. And this one was hard. Like, 
this choked me up earlier, so I'm going to try to tell it without getting choked up. But it really, I think, illustrates what it's like to take your last breath. There was a, a, a young boy with a terminal illness, and he was dying. And uh, he knew it. And he asked his mama one night, he said, Mom, what's it like to die? And she said, she thought about it for a minute. And she said, you know, you know when you're on the couch uh, at night watching TV or a movie and you fall asleep and you wake up next morning and you are in your bed and you don't remember how you got there. You don't remember anything about it. He said, she said, you're in your bed because your dad came, picked you up, took you in, laid you down and tucked you in. And he said, she said, that's what it's like to go to heaven. One moment you're in this life, you breathe your last, and the next moment you are carried into the presence of Jesus. I think that is beautiful. Lots of people, especially when they get towards the end of their life, they start to plan their funeral. They start to think about all the things that they want done at a funeral. They write it all down. Maybe you want free bird played at your funeral. Um, There's nothing wrong with any of it. Maybe you have a list of people that you can't, uh, that you want to speak at your funeral. Maybe you have a list of people that you don't want to speak at your funeral. You know what I mean? Like an aunt that everybody's got that aunt that you're like, keep the mic away from her. Don't let Aunt Tina touch that mic, okay? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. There's nothing wrong there. I've been to lots of funerals that have lots of plans. Um, there's no greater plan for you than planning that escort after your last breath. Like, what is the plan there? Where am I going to spend eternity? Number three, and I'll go quick here, there will be a grand reunion. This is beautiful to think about. The, the longer you live, the more treasure you store up in heaven because you got people there that you can't wait to see. And any of your friends or family that have died in Christ, they are there and they are worshiping Jesus in his presence. And when you get to see them, man, it's going to be something else. Uh, you, the Bible says that we are, it's not just that we're asleep or soul sleep, that we're aware, we're awake, we recognize people that we will see people of every nation, tribe, tongue. We'll be greeted by people that we've helped and prayed with, ministered to. You'll be greeted by people that when you gave in an offering and it helped someone and that person followed Jesus because of a gift that you gave, you don't even know about it. They're going to come up to you and say, hey, you don't even know this, but something you did just brought me right into the presence of God and I followed Jesus and I'm here because of it. Thank you. I can't wait. I got a meemaw there that I'm going to sit down and she's going to make me some fried pies. Like, I can't wait. You know, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a sweet reunion. And somehow we might think, man, I, that sounds awesome. I can't wait for that. And it does. But the biggest reward is not that. The biggest reward is we are going to be all at once in the presence of Jesus. And we are going to experience the fullness of his love 
and his grace and his goodness, so much so that we are going to sing and sing and sing how good and incredible and wonderful our God is. It's going to be a sweet moment when we're reunited with family, but our reward is in Jesus. These are things that happen one second after you die, and they happen because of Jesus. Jesus changed death forever. And because we don't have to fear death anymore as believers, we have hope after death, believing our life starts after our last breath, then that should motivate us when we are around people in our lives. When we talk about living with the end in mind, thinking about death makes us wise. The reason it makes us wise is because it should affect every part of who we are. When we go and we encounter people that are hurting or broken, we should take the time to stop and help them. That's what Jesus did with Blind Bartimaeus. He will let himself be interrupted to meet a need, to heal a hurt, to show love and kindness wherever he can. We love people because we want them to experience the love of God. It should also encourage you in your relationship with Jesus, knowing that my strength, all the grace that I need, it comes from the nearness that I have with God. Like I get that from being close to him and I need that. I have no idea when my last breath is. And so because of that, nobody gets to, nobody gets to pick how their life ends. Even the people that choose a certain way to end their life, they didn't get to decide all the things that led them to that point in their whole life. Like we don't get to pick the end but we get to pick what happens after the end. And that is, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to be close to you while I have breath in my lungs so that I can be so near to you once that breath is gone. Jesus changed death forever. I love this in 1 Corinthians 15. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Amen. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? I'll tell you this. When we say Jesus changed death forever, this is what we mean. He took the sting out of death. It's gone. Death was Satan's biggest, baddest boss bully. Like all the things in life that he tries to get you with and he tries to mess you up with and trip you up with, even if they don't get you, Satan says, well, at least I got one at the end is death and he's coming for you and there's nothing you could do about it. And Jesus went and on the cross, he whipped death. He beat Satan's worst weapon. He took the sting out of it. And now we say, death, where is your sting? As a believer, as a Christian, the worst that Satan has, the worst that the enemy can do to me The end is not death. Death is the beginning of my life forever in him.